your Locked On Sabres, your daily podcast on the Buffalo Sabres. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? It is the Locked On Sabres podcast. You just heard on the open. Just Joe DiBiase today. No Jordan Hanskin. Uh, he's taking on more of a part-time role in the podcast. If you've missed that over the last couple of weeks, he got a job as a football coach at his high school where he is a teacher down in North Carolina. And that just means good for Jordan that he doesn't have to always come up with thoughts and opinions and ways to talk about the Buffalo Sabres, who, if you read at 538.com yesterday, are the worst performing North American sports team. Going back for 10 years, worse than the Knicks, who are actually kind of good this year, the Knicks. I think they're in a playoff spot. Worse than the Sacramento Kings. Worse than who's bad in baseball? The Mets, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Worse than the New York Jets, who I think were second, the New York Jets. Um, they have not even been by – 538 has this ELO rating from which they measure each franchise. And we'll talk more about that tomorrow hopefully uh jordan will be on for that but they have not the sabers have not even been averaged by that elo rating that 538.com has since 2013 since like january of 2013 like ryan miller is still here thomas vanek is still here and i'm not even talking the playoffs i am talking the last time they were average was eight years ago that's beyond bill's drought territory the bills were always average they were rarely we were almost frustrated they were never awful they were always average six and ten to eight and eight that was the buffalo bills during that playoff drought the sabers can't even get to that seven and nine eight and eight territory that the bills were always at uh compared to of course an 82 game 82 game schedule so we'll have more of that but i'm we're just going through ways at wgr yesterday of how long it's been, and the best way I thought, and by the way, much more coming on last night's loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins to make it a 15-game losing streak. I got some stuff on Rasmus Dahlin from last night. He was very up and down. Um, I got some stuff on Dahlin, other things from the game. I've got a thought on Eric Stahl as well. And then, uh, if, if I can go outside the Sabres, the East Division, man, it... Maybe everyone's going to be kind of frustrated with the season the Sabres are having because the door was open this year for a surprise team to make it in the East Division. So we'll get to that as well, and as it relates to the Penguins, who just beat the Sabres last night, and they play the Sabres again on Thursday night, recording here on Thursday morning. Uh, so a little bit more on the Penguins, too, all coming your way. The best way, I thought, though, to encapsulate how long it has been since the Buffalo Sabres were in the playoffs... Let me just read you a list of players. And if you follow me on Twitter, you've probably already seen it at Sneaky Joe Sports. Players that have played in a NHL playoff series more recently than the Buffalo Sabres have. Listen to this list. Mike Madano. That's got to be the number one guy. Madano, I mean, he goes back to the Minnesota North Stars. And this playoff appearance is one that maybe nobody remembers in the second round of that same 2011 season after the Sabres had been eliminated, Madonna is on the Detroit Red Wings for that season. 
his final year in the NHL. I think that was his hometown team. Uh, Mike Madano is has played in a playoff series more recently than the Buffalo Sabres have. Mark Recchi has played in a series more re- recently than the Sabres have. Nicholas Lidstrom, Jason Arnott, Jamie Langenbruder, Dwayne Rolison, Todd Bertuzzi, Brian Rafalski, Jose Theodore, John Madden, Roman Hammerlick, Saku Koivu, Chris Draper, Tomas Holmstrom. You got a couple of former Sabres. Tony Ludman, J.P. Dumont, Taylor Pyatt. These are all guys that have played in a playoff series more recently than the Buffalo Sabres have. There are a billion more names like that, um, but it's pretty sad. It's a pretty sad way to encapsulate it. Another one that I took from uh, a tweet I had a couple of years ago to show how long it's been since the Sabres have been in the playoffs. They haven't made the playoffs since... Well, their last playoff game was on Versus. The Sports Network Versus. And NBCSN, which didn't exist the last time the Sabres made the playoffs, will be will cease to exist in December of 2021. So the entire existence of NBCSN will have come and gone without the Buffalo Sabres making the postseason. How incredible is that? How incredible is that? All right, let's get to some from last night's game. The Sabres lost to the Pittsburgh Penguins. That made it a 15-game losing streak. Uh, I don't even have the final score off the top of my head. 5-2 to two was the final score. Penguins over the Sabres. Uh, the two goals for Buffalo, Rasmus Dahlin in the uh, first period, and or in the second period, and then you had Victor Olofsson on a penalty shot late in the third. Good penalty shot, making the goaltender think you're going to come in and make a move, forehand, backhand. He kind of shot it from a weird angle. Quick release by Olofsson, gets it five-hole between the legs of Tristan Jari. Good job by him. Um, he's been producing this year on the power play. He's producing on the penalty shot. Good good for Olofsson. I mentioned in the Seattle expansion draft mock that I did on our last episode, Olofsson's an easy protect uh, going into the expansion draft. But how about that first Penguins goal? The first goal by Evan Rodriguez, by the way. It had to be Evan Rodriguez, who's been really in the top six all season for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He was... Did he get the first star last night? He maybe should have. He had eight shots on goal. He had his third goal of the season. He might have added another assist along the way. He did not. Um, but he had the first goal of the game. He could have had three or four in uh, in the first. Um, I don't have the three stars in front of me. Let's see. I don't have it. Uh, but Rodriguez, who just, you know, he was a guy here. I liked him. I think a lot of the smart Part the smart area of Sabres Twitter really appreciated Rodriguez's game. They let him go. That's fine. I don't think he was going to stick around, and now he's just doing well in the Penguins. And that goal, Rasmus Dahlin jumps up in the play. You know it's a bad, it's a bad job by your team when the color commentator at NBCSN is willing to criticize you outward and openly, and show the tape of it. That happened. Dalene jumped up in the play, which you've seen more out of him, I think, since Ralph Kruger has been re- let go as head coach of this team. Dalene's been jumping up more. He's been playing more free. And in, in this specific instance, he is up in the zone. He's on the far wall. And they show it from the opposite net perspective, kind of the coach's film look. And Dalene is up in the play. None of the three forwards 
on the ice recognize that Darlene's up there. That it's maybe just not second nature to them that Darlene would ever be up in a play because I could tell from Kruger's system that was just not something that the defensemen were really allowed to do. And you could tell the forwards, it's not second nature to them that, hey, they should even have on their minds that they might have to get back because in their minds, the defenseman is never going to be up where Darlene was. So a forward's got to recognize that, though. I mean, you've played hockey long enough. You've got to you got to keep an eye out for that, especially with a defenseman of that skill set out on the ice. You should always be ready for that to happen. Uh, a forward doesn't recognize that he's up there. It's a two-on-one coming back the other direction. And it's an example of Darlene not getting support. He is being asked to do a lot right now. I think he is capable of doing a lot right now, but he is being asked to do way more than he should. I mean, that goal, that play right there, he's at, he's jumping up in the play, and then it almost becomes his responsibility to fly back and make up for it because no forwards are there covering for him. He's not getting the help. He's just not getting the help on that specific play. And then the third Penguins goal, which is a much worse look for Darlene, on the power play, Taylor Hall tries to force it to Darlene. Now, Darlene, the puck is, is stopped in front of him, and he gets walked by Freddie Goudreau. And that's, a, that's bad by Darlene, and that's fundamental. That's technique. He is watching the puck. He is not keeping square with the, the forward's hips. I mean, that is defenseman 101 that Darlene is, is, is failing at there. But where's the support? Where's the help? Because actually, Darlene does everything he can to make up for the mistake he has just made. He is trying like hell to get back and make it as hard as he can, get as hard as he can on Freddie Goudreau to push him to one side of the net. He's pushing Goudreau to the right side of the net. And Hall is trying to get back too, but Hall takes Goudreau and Darlene then has to stop in front of the net and he's suddenly got to recognize there's another penguin there. And it's basically a, a, a version of a two-on-one coming back. And it's just, he's getting no support even on that play. I know he messes up and it looks bad on him. And he's not absolved from the mistake he made, especially in the neutral zone, on that specific play. But it's a second example of in that game, if Darlene's not doing the right thing, his teammates are not bailing him out. And that needs to change. That needs to be priority one going forward. Because as it stands today, I don't think it's Jack Eichel. I think Rasmus Dahlin is the most important figure in this entire organization. And he needs to be treated as such, and they need to put him in a system to support him way better than what we have seen this season and last night against the Pittsburgh Penguins. It was an up-and-down night for Dahlin. Uh, he did score a goal. In this game, his second of the season, it's a great release on his shot from the point on his goal. That's not typically a strength of his game. In fact, I would say it's coming into the league, it was his weakness, was he didn't really get a lot on his shots. It was because he's a very straight-up player. I actually know this from the way I used to play. I was a very straight-up, I still am in like beer league and stuff, but a very straight-up skater. And when you're very straight-up when you're skating, that can limit the amount of weight that you get on your shots. In fact, when you are a straight-up skater like that, it typically means that you don't have a great shot because you are not used to putting all your weight on your stick. And 
Dalene, I think, is partially that's that's been an issue with him coming into the league. But on this play, he gets all of it. It's a good job by him because I don't think he has a great shot. But on this play, that's a good shot. That's getting as much on it as you can, and it was fast enough, it was accurate enough, and it was rolling a little bit. But uh, it was a good job by him on a play that he might not get a ton of credit for, but is an area of his game that needed improving. Um, yeah, he's interesting right now. It it hurts. His reputation, too, of course, that the defenseman that went after him in the NHL draft when he was supposed to be this generational best defenseman in the draft since the 70s, it's it's hurt him that other great young defensemen have come into the league and have just showed up and are electric and are making an immediate difference and are immediate superstar defensemen. In that same draft, even, Quinn Hughes goes seventh overall, I mean, that's a guy that is making wow plays on almost a nightly basis. The draft prior, 2017, Cal McCarr goes fourth to the Avalanche, and he might be the best defenseman in hockey. And he is the, I would tell you, easily the most fun defenseman to watch in hockey. McCarr, by the way, has only played 76 games in his career to this point, and he's already got 67 points. Which, for comparison, Nolan Patrick, who went second overall in that draft, has 67 points in exactly 100 more games played. And he's a forward. Patrick's had some concussion stuff, so I don't want to make that a criticism of him. But part of Darlene getting a reputation for, well, what what's wrong? Why isn't he taking over as a franchise-level defenseman? Why is he making all of these mistakes? Well... I think part of what's hurting his reputation now is these other young defensemen across the league that are coming in that you don't watch every night, and you don't see the mistakes, you only see the wow plays, the highlights, and those aren't really happening with Darlene either, but I don't think it's give up point on Darlene being even a Norris defenseman, being a generational defenseman. I still think that player is in there, and we see signs of that player being in there. He is too good on his edges, he is too good of a skater, he is too good of a passer, and he's too good of a stick handler. With his size, to me, for him to never get to be a Norris-level defenseman. I think he's just going through growing pains. And that happens with franchise-level defensemen in this sport. He's still only 20. And if, if you want a couple of names that'll help you to realize that, all right, I'm not, you shouldn't even make any type of judgment of what he is long-term yet. Look at Victor Hedman. Victor Hedman had a very slow start to his NHL career, and now he's a perennial Norris winner. Eric Carlson had a very slow start to his career in his own end, especially. He was putting up points early on, but turnovers and and giving it away in his own end and not covering guys, a lot of the mistakes you're seeing Darlene make right now, that was existent with Carlson early in his career. And then even Aaron Ekblad. I don't think Ekblad has become the, uh, the Norris type of defenseman that a lot of people saw out of that was coming from him when he uh, made it to the NHL originally. But he has developed into one of the better defensive defensemen in hockey, and he'll put up points too. He had 41 points last year in a shortened season. So Ekblad too, slow start, and he's become a top pair defenseman for the Florida Panthers. And... They're paying him $7.5 million per year. You know, I, I don't know much about that contract, but it tells you what the Panthers have thought of him at one point. Um, 
So that's three names. Hedman, Carlson, Ekblad. Don't give up on Darlene just because he's not as good as Makar and Quinn Hughes right now. And when I say give up, I don't even mean give up, you know, the same way we would say give up on, like, Tage Thompson. Because Tage Thompson, it's like, that's over. I don't want to see him play in the NHL again. Darlene, I'm saying don't give up on him as the Norris generational guy. I can still see that happening. A couple other notes from last night's Penguins game uh, when we come back. Dustin Tokarski and what is going on in that. You hear me laughing a little bit. It's, it's, um, it's hilarious right now. Uh, it's, it's a comedy. Um, we'll get into that a little bit after this in the Lockdown Savers podcast with Joe DiBiase. RockAuto.com, a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate, quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Football may be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports actions. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. A little embarrassed to say it, I am watching this season of The Bachelor. Lines on a show like that, I'm actually intrigued by for the first time in my life. And Bet Online's where you want to be looking for that. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today, and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sports books experts. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED ON. Welcome back to the Lockdown Sabres podcast with Joe DiBiase. Get the upper hand in your fantasy league with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Fantasy hockey expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long dynasty and DFS leagues. Follow the Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast on the radio.com app or wherever you get podcasts. I actually noticed, speaking of fantasy hockey, the Sabres with a real sneaky move here on Monday... I only noticed because I have Jack Eichel on one of my fantasy teams. In fact, I think I only have one fantasy hockey team. So I only I have Jack Eichel on my fantasy hockey team. And I've been waiting for the Sabres to give any sort of update or and make any sort of move with Eichel uh, in terms of injured reserve. Because in this league I'm in, you've got two IR spots. And it's like, okay, I would love to put Eichel on an IR spot to be able to go pick someone else up and play him. But the Sabres weren't telling you anything about Eichel, and they weren't doing anything about Eichel. Monday, without any announcement that I saw, and until Chad DiDomenesis from Expected Buffalo tweeted out that the Sabres did that on Monday, Eichel got placed on IR, and nobody saw it. Nobody said anything about it. Nobody heard anything about it. It just happened. And I saw it on my fantasy team. I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday morning that it's like, oh, Eichel on IR. 
I'm going to slide him in there. I didn't think, even think twice about it because, you know, those are the type of PR announcements that come from the Sabres that you'll just kind of, you know, you'll just read and then you'll forget about, like the Taxi Squad stuff. There's a lot of paper transactions. Um, so I just assumed that it had been out there, but apparently it wasn't that Eichel had been placed on injured reserve. So that's your first Eichel injury update, really, since he left the lineup. Um, and I'm not expecting him back anytime soon. I mean, it, unless they tell us that he's nearing practice, it's just non-updates. And as long as they're non-updates, I'm going to continue to trust that report Aaron Ward from TSN had a couple weeks ago that it's an injury that might take him to the end of the season um, because we haven't heard anything to to, you know, fly in the face of that. So, a little update on Eichel there. Uh, a couple more Sabre notes before we get to the Penguins. The goalie situation is hilarious right now. I mean, Dustin Tokarski is a riot to, to watch play. I mean, he never, ever, ever knows where the puck is. Even, there was a wrist shot in the first period that was just a harmless little wrist shot. It squeezes between his arm and his chest and Tukarski acts like he just got shot out of the uh, the press box from by a puck, um, coming at in like a thousand miles an hour. Like he he's flopping around. Like where is it? Where is it? He is chaos in the crease for not knowing where the puck is almost at all times. Um, did not impress me in the slightest. I, I wasn't expecting Dustin Tukarski to impress me playing the Penguins on a team that's lost 14 in a row. Uh, he's a guy that hasn't played in the NHL for five years. The last game he played was December... Uh, the Sorry, the last game he started in the NHL was December 21st of 2015. That was five and a half years ago. And... He was with the Montreal Canadiens when that game happened. And just to read you some of the names that were playing in this game, it was a loss to the Predators. They lost 5-1. to one. Nathan Beaulieu on Montreal. Uh, P.K. Subban on Montreal. You had Paul Gostad and Cody Hodson on the Nashville Predators. <laughs> and Shea Weber on the Predators. So this is before the Subban-Weber uh, trade. So that tells you how long ago. Mike Ribeiro is playing in this game. We had a lot of old names on the show today. We had Mike Madano, now Mike Ribeiro, um, Gostad and Hodson on Nashville. That's how long ago he played uh, or started a game. So that was just to fill in. Michael Hauser is the backup. He is an ECHL goaltender. I would not even consider him an AHL goaltender. Just back it up. Uh, Allmark is supposed to be back Thursday night. I, I almost, I want Allmark around long-term and I think he is getting the short end of the stick whenever somebody, especially out of market, mentions goaltending as a problem for the Buffalo Sabres because I don't think Linus Olmark in any way has been an issue. I think Olmark, if anything, has been the one thing making this team respectable whenever he is on, on the ice. They have been an, about an, what I had it a couple weeks ago. They are, they've been about an 86-point team, 87-point team with him in the net over the past two years, that's that's playoff race. That's not making the playoffs, but that's a playoff race. And they've been like a 68-point team without him. So don't put anything on Olmark. I do want to see him back in the net. I want them to re-sign him. But at this point, it's like I just, I'm at a point where I kind of just want to watch the world burn. I'm not going to lie. I just kind of want to watch the world burn. I kind of want to just see the Sabres lose the rest of the season. You know, like, I'm, I'm saying lose every game from here on out because 
I don't know what else is supposed to be interesting about this team. I mean, I'm trying. Uh, looking at the individual players, like Jacob Bryson over the past couple of weeks, and how the Sabres are using some of their players, like Jeff Skinner and Casey Middlestat. But there's not a lot of interesting stuff with this hockey team right now. And if they were to go on some massive like 30-game losing streak, that would be interesting. It would be historic. Historic is always interesting. So I'm kind of in watch-the-world-burn mode. And Michael Hauser would be the poster child for watch-the-world-burn mode. I mean, the guy that they had to sign to an NHL contract just because they were out of goaltenders. Like, he never any thought that he would even play maybe in Rochester, let alone in the NHL. Because coming into the year, it was Allmark and Hutton in Buffalo, Lukanen and Tukarski in Rochester, and then Hauser in EC, in the ECHL. And I actually didn't mention Jonas Johansson, who was on the taxi squad all year. So he was like the sixth goaltender on the depth chart, and he might be ready uh, to enter the lineup if if Allmark isn't ready to go on Thursday night. So that is watch the world burn mode for sure. Um, one other Sabres note. I, do I want to do this here? I'll do it. I think it's an it's an utter embarrassment that Eric Stahl is wearing an A. I, I think, and I, you know what? I thought about this in twofold last night. I was watching Minnesota before the Sabres game. NBCSN had a doubleheader. They had the Wild and Ducks, and then they had Sabres-Penguins. That's why it was an 8 o'clock puck drop. And I'm just watching Marcus Johansson, who the Sabres traded for Eric Stahl in the offseason, a trade that I loved and a lot of people loved because it was a real center that you could sell as a second-line guy to hold down the fort until Dylan Cousins was ready. And Johansson was a guy playing out of position that I defended, but didn't want to see back in that role again this year. Johansson's just flying around. He's a good skater. He's carrying the puck into the zone. He's creating for the Wild, who are a good team. And he's playing on their second line. Like he's he's be, he's being a good support, uh, being a good support player um, in terms of depth scoring. And then I'm watching Eric Stahl. Oh, just floating around the ice, even when he's trying to skate hard. Just the slowest guy on the team. Not doing a whole lot to impact it, the, the, the Sabres in the offensive end. He's not really helping out his wingers and creating for them. And he's wearing an A. And I think back to the TJ Oshie to Nicholas Backstrom goal from last week. The one where Oshie walked four Sabres and then Backstrom buried it. And Stall on that goal was the one that didn't try. It's just a complete flyby. He's standing still. He's like, ah, I'm going to poke my stick out here, but I'm not going to try that hard to stop you, TJ Oshie. Stahl, to me, has looked that way all year. He has looked uninterested. He has looked dissatisfied. He has looked like he doesn't want to be here. There was some thought to that even when the trade happened, whether he would show up in the first place. I don't blame him. He is... Can I say legendary? Not legendary. He is a, a great NHL player. He has been a great NHL player for a long time. And I can completely sympathize for why 36-year-old Eric Stahl that might be wanting to take one more shot at the Stanley Cup is uninterested in being on this Sabres team and is just waiting for the trade at the NHL trade deadline. But you can't put an A on that guy. You can't put an A on that guy. He's not going to be around for much longer. I don't care who you give it to, but come on. With Eric Stahl. I mean, he might be, you know, helping guy the young guys out in the locker room or at practice. But in terms of setting an example on the ice, there is no player on this team 
that is failing to do that this season than Eric Stahl is. He's doing an awful job setting an example on the ice for these young players. And to me, him wearing an A is an embarrassment. And you know what? Yes, there's a little bias in me coming through here from the 06 Sabres. I am turning back to hating Eric Stahl mode. The Peter LaViolette, Eric Stahl, Rod Brindamore hate. Like, that's all returning to me with Stahl as we are seeing the end of his very brief and short Sabres career. Um, you can't put an A on that guy. That's a bad job. All right, last thing on today's episode. The standings in the East Division. The New York Islanders, first place at 46 points. The Washington Capitals, second place at 44 points. The Pittsburgh Penguins in third at 42. And then the Boston Bruins in fourth at 36. 36 is not a high mark for this season. And then you've got the Flyers at 34. But the Flyers have played three more games than the Boston Bruins have. Moneypuck.com actually has the Flyers as only a 14% chance to make the postseason. And then they actually have the Rangers higher than them at 32 points because uh, of their play as of late. Um, They have the Rangers at 18%. But there's not going to be a playoff race in the East the way it's developing. The Islanders, Capitals, and Penguins, I mean, the way they're looking, they're in. And the the amount they're ahead, I think they're in. Boston's got the games in hand. It's looking very strong for them, too. So... I think the East Division is figured out, and we're only halfway through the season. But Philly can't get saves from Carter Hart and from Brian Elliott, more so Carter Hart, who's just been awful this season so far. The Rangers, I don't think, have the firepower to, to put a run together like they would need to do. And then the Devils are are don't have it either, and they're back, and the Sabres are obviously no chance. Um But what it does show to me is a failed opportunity, a missed opportunity, that if the Sabres had come out this year and had a surprise season, they could have made it. They could have made it. Boston has struggled. Um, They've not struggled as much since Pasternak came back. They've been much better since they were in the first dozen games of the season. But it was there for the taking. And Pittsburgh, who you saw last night, that there's no scenario I think they miss. I was all over them early this season thinking they would be that team that would miss. There's five teams coming into the year that's like, yeah, they could do it. Islanders, Capitals, Penguins, Bruins, Flyers. One of those teams is going to miss. And I was, I would have bet heavily that it would have been Pittsburgh, but their place in the standings, their play as of late, and seeing them against the Sabres last night, uh, I cannot see Pittsburgh missing at this point. All right, more on that division uh, as we progress throughout the season. Uh, thanks everybody for listening to the podcast today. We will be recording after tonight's game, Thursday night's game between the Penguins and the Sabres. So come back for that. Uh, hopefully Jordan Haskin will be joining me. I know he's got some coaching stuff, so he's kind of up in the air right now for uh, for the recap show. Uh, at Sneaky Joe Sports to follow me on Twitter at Lockdown Sabers to follow the podcast account. Be sure to like and subscribe wherever you are getting your podcast. Thanks everybody for listening. This has been the Lockdown Sabers podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network.